This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this, this is Work of Tomorrow on Business Radio. Here's your host, Christian Tervish. Welcome to Work of Tomorrow on Business Radio. I'm your host, Christian Tervish, and we're here for you every Monday night at 5 p.m. Eastern, followed by replays throughout the week. Now, the purpose of my show is to explore how work will change in times of globalization and digitization. I want to understand the work of tomorrow. Sixty years ago, the first Hyatt opened near the LA airport. Today, Hyatt Hotels employs uh, close to 100,000 employees and has uh, some 600 properties around the globe. Contrast this with HomeAway or Airbnb. Vacation rentals have been around forever, but powered by the Internet, these platforms have now changed the hospitality industry. Today, anybody with an empty room can become a lodging manager, and you can now rent anything from a fancy islands to a house down the street from me in suburban Philadelphia. So what I want to understand is uh, the hospitality business of the future. To help us understand this topic, I have two wonderful guests. In the first half of the show, I will be chatting with Stephen Dominguez, Vice President of Global Brands for Hired Place and Hired House. And then in the second half of the show, I will talk with Jeff Hurst, the Chief Commercial Officer at HomeAway. At this point, welcome, Stephen. Hey, Christian. Hey, Stephen. If uh, I could offer you a week off and uh, you could go to any of the Hired, Hired Place, Hired House properties around the world for a week, where would you go? Gosh, uh, one of my favorites is in Seattle. We've got a Hyatt house there that's literally in the shadow of the Space Needle. I stayed there with my family when we moved here three years ago, and uh, that would probably be uh, in the top top few for sure. Uh, tell our listeners a little bit more about Hyatt Place and Hyatt House. I mean, we're all familiar with the Hyatt Hotels. Uh, just help us understand the demarcation line a little bit. Sure. So Hyatt Place and Hyatt House are our select service brands within the Hyatt portfolio. And by select service, uh, we mean that we give you everything that you need, nothing that you don't. Um, so smaller hotels, generally around 130 rooms versus larger full-service hotels, uh, wouldn't offer amenities such as a concierge or valet, uh, but does offer a host who can do everything for you and has a a uh, host of, of things that they do for our guests uh, and a number of amenities that uh, we think our guests are, are really interested in. Give us a sense of the scale of the operation, maybe both for the Hyatt and then the Hyatt Place line, product line. Um, how many properties and uh, how, how, many, how many rooms in a typical properties? Uh, just, just a rough overview of how, how big these entities are and, and relative to each other. Of course. So between the two brands, there's roughly 400, just under 400 hotels globally. Most of those are with the Hyatt Place brand. We've got about 290 hotels uh, with the Hyatt Place brand. Most of those hotels are in the, the U.S. We've got a number of properties internationally as well. Uh, Hyatt House, our extended stay brand, that's uh, the brand that has apartment-style um, accommodations with kitchens, uh, has closer to 85 properties globally. Uh, and so we're in roughly 20 markets internationally, um, fast-growing brands within the Hyatt portfolio. So like the overall industry, the select service category is the fastest-growing, and uh, our brands, Hyatt Place and Hyatt Gra- House, are particularly growing in urban markets and internationally. So we've opened um, over 50 properties the last two years, and we'll open another 30 or so this coming year in 2018. So let's talk a little bit about work and, and jobs. So imagine, uh, I, I kind of inspired by your opening comments, I want to go to the higher place in Seattle, uh, want to book the place for a week. Um, what type of human labor is involved between me making that decision and now going on your website and booking it towards checking in, staying there, checking out, the room being turned around? Uh, what type of labor, what type of professions are involved in making that experience possible? Uh, specific to the reservation, or or just sort of generally the, the, the whole uh, the whole the journey. I guess uh, there's the a I, I guess the whole journey. The, there's a front end part, right? It's just getting the reservation uh, from from me deciding to me showing up. Then the I would imagine the most labor intense is the actual stay, where there's a certain you know there's a certain housekeeping involved, course, security. Right. Uh, the, the, let's maybe start with the booking part. How how much how much human labor is there involved if I go on the internet uh, and, and book 
physical room? Is, is, is everything automated or is there still something that re requires management intervention, so to say? Well, certainly you can book direct, right? So you can certainly just go on to Hyatt.com. Um, there's a lot of advantages, actually, to booking direct and simply select the property that you're interested in and book a, a reservation that way. Uh, on the back end, uh, it's pretty automated. Uh, that reservation system is uh, servicing our whole system, including Hyatt Place and Hyatt House Hotels. If your preference is to speak to somebody to make a reservation, we've got a call center that can accommodate you there. Um, you can certainly walk up to any of the hotels and make a reservation in person as well. But uh, Hyatt.com is, is, by and large, the primary engine. Um, and the experience behind that um, certainly involves a digital team that that supports Hyatt.com and, and that reservation system ongoing. Uh, there's, of course, the staff at the hotel. The hotels that we're talking about, Hyatt Place and Hyatt House, have a pretty lean staffing model. Uh, and, uh, and so there's roughly, uh, on average, about 30 or so um, staff members that you would have uh, on the entire payroll at one of the hotels. But uh, the experience on site from from beginning to, to walking in the door is something that's that's been designed by a team here uh, at our corporate office and um, and we bring to life with the help of our owners and our management companies at each each property that we have around the world. So uh, let's then so let's move forward then to my hotel stay. So you said a staff of thirty, a typical Hyatt uh, place is uh, one hundred thirty beds. You said roughly one hundred thirty rooms. Roughly. That's right. So thirty staff yeah, place and Hyatt House. So thirty staff supporting one hundred thirty rooms. Uh, how how does that staff to room ratio compare to the more traditional Hyatt hotel? You know, I, I couldn't tell you what the ratio is specifically. Certainly, a larger full service hotel would have a bigger staff, um, but it's pretty. It's pretty uh, holistic and it's pretty lean. Again, what you would find at a Hyatt Place or Hyatt House hotel is the person that was checking you in, we call them gallery hosts, is sort of a, a multitasking person that will not only check you in, but if you're checking in late at night, they can prepare a meal for you. If you've forgotten something, you can request something, say a shaver, a toothbrush through our borrows program, and that person will bring it up to your room. Um, so we train people to multitask, whether it be to assist at the front desk or otherwise with guest needs. And we find that our guests really like that because they feel like they have more one-stop shopping uh, with that person. Uh, of course, there's different individual roles in the hotel, engineering, helping out with all of the technical aspects. We've got housekeeping. Uh, we've got folks that focus more front desk. Um, but it's a pretty lean and, and multitasking model overall. Is there still, I mean, we all remember those days when you were actually checking out of a hotel, right? And now you explain someone you're checking out, and that sounds like really weird. Uh, so checkout got replaced with basically you just dropped the key card somewhere in a box. Uh, but uh, it's check-in is still there, or are we at a time where you basically, you, I mean, you have uh, you have your app, and so you have basically... All you need is identifying that the person, either through a code, through a fingerprint, through a facial, um, it, it, there's still a check-in, so to say. Sure, there's there's uh, still a check-in process. Um, it's designed so that it can be uh, chosen by our guests whether they want to do an express check-in and uh, do it in a more convenient way that, that may be less involved, or if you want to simply walk up and um, have more interaction with the gallery host, you can do that. Uh, like a lot of companies, we are working through keyless check-in and different technologies that will take that uh, preference, our guest preferences, even further. Uh, but, yeah, you've got uh, a number of ways that you can check in on the front end. And then if, if you look at the labor minutes per stay, again, I'm, I'm an operations person, so I always love to think about productivity. Um, for a regular guest, is, is, is the most labor-intense part the actual housekeeping and the room turnover? The most labor-intense part of the stay, well, certainly um, housekeeping is, is one piece of it. Um, it's probably the, the most um, time-intensive piece, I think, directed to a particular guest stay, but you know, there's, there's other aspects of it, whether it be uh, assisting with breakfast. At our hotels, we offer a complimentary hot breakfast, and so there's 
um, staff that are preparing the breakfast and assisting in the morning. Um, depending on what your needs may be, they may assist you with other aspects. They can help you with directions or help you with other questions you may have for the location that you're at. And so depending on what your needs may be, there may be other interaction. But housekeeping is generally about a 15 to 20 minute um, a 15 to 20 minute labor exercise per guest room, and uh, that would probably be the most involved aspect of it. In case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Work of Tomorrow here on Business Radio. I'm your host, Christian Tevich, and I'm chatting with Stephen Dominguez. Stephen is the Vice President of Global Brands for Hired Place and Hired House, and we're talking about how work is changing in hotels, and I have a really mean question at this point, Stephen. Sorry, I couldn't resist, but uh, could could you turn a room around? I mean, uh, could, 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 could I throw you in a, in, into a room of, of a typical guest who just checked out and just kind of get, get this in a, in a good state again? It's, it's a hard job, I guess. Oh, it's a very difficult job, and actually, I have tried that job. <laughs> part of uh, part of immersing in the brand and understanding all the various aspects of our hotel experience involve uh, working at our hotels, including uh, including working in housekeeping. And I can tell you, I'm I'm not very good at it. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's a very difficult uh, a very difficult job that involves uh, a lot of care and uh, hard work. Is that something that has changed over the last 20 years we we talk a lot about technology and and i mean clearly the aspects of booking revenue management uh, all the kind of the things that are happening now in the cloud so to say all that work has changed but has there been major change in housekeeping or is that something that is is just too hard to push forward in terms of productivity well i think that hospitality is a, is an age-old industry and uh, i think that you know, taking time to to have a clean room that people can count on is, is probably something that hasn't changed a whole lot, although I think our rooms are, are particularly efficient and we're always looking for ways to um, evolve the experience. Um, so we've done that through surfaces that remain easier to clean um, and that feel from a guest perspective to be so. Um, but, uh, you know, certainly the, the notion of, of having to still go in and ensure that a guest can count on that reliability and that experience that they're looking for um, is something I think that, that has largely remained unchanged. So there is no fleet of Roomba vacuum robots that are kind of crawling through guest rooms. I mean, it's basically still the good old way. It is. Um, and we, we are... Uh, Experimenting with those technologies as well, there's, there's different ways that you can um, make that room cleaning experience more efficient. Um, I think what's you know, interesting is that while our experience continues to evolve, our brands, uh, Hyatt Place and Hyatt House specifically, were really born out of guest needs. And so they're about roughly 10 years, uh, just at 11 years old, and they were designed with guest needs in mind. And so from our rooms, for example, at Hyatt Place uh, that offer really distinct zones that our customers are looking for, and at Hyatt House, the apartment-style living that really uh, helps them uh, to have better extended stay experiences. Uh, the room experience all the way through has designed, uh, really been designed with the guest in mind to be seamless. And, um, and so that frictionless experience that we think our guests are looking for ultimately to make their stays successful and productive is something that has evolved, but it's also something that um, we think is, is really uh, true to what people are generally looking for these days for, for most stay occasions. So you mentioned that uh, trend select services and the more minimalistic is a harsh word, right? But, but, but the lower touch, maybe guest experience. How long has this trend been going on? Well, select service hotels were really born in the late 80s uh, through a lot of conjoint work. And so it was one of really the first industries that utilized that sort of research to really understand, again, the things that guests truly felt were important and the things that were nice to have versus need to have. So the category has been around uh, for over 30 years. Our hotels benefit from being younger within the category. Uh, but it's really interesting because, again, it's a category that was, that was born out of guest needs, and our brands are, are true to that. Is that something that you see as a trend going even further minimalistic in the sense that you get from that ratio of 30 staff for 130 rooms down to 
five or ten. I mean, I, I think a, a couple of us, I think especially the European hotel chains, have gotten very aggressive on that, that front. Or is that then uh, are you then entering a totally different market segment? Well, I think you can enter a, a different market segment that's more lifestyle oriented. Uh, there's brands that that have taken that lean staffing model to the extreme, and I think they find a market segment that that actually likes that. They really doesn't really want uh, any high touch or any touch at all. Uh, we we feel like we're kind of a nice medium where we offer our guests that uh, service if they need it. But if they don't, if they want an unobtrusive stay, they can have that stay experience as well. We know that our guests are really ambitious, they're productive, they're looking to have uh, productive stays, whether it's business or leisure. And so they enjoy the fact that our hotels are easy in, easy out. They're smaller hotels where you can get to your room really, fairly quickly. Um, again, uh, we offer a complimentary breakfast so you can get out the door in the morning uh, on your time in a way that you can count on. And so you remain largely in control of your experience. And it's through a brand that you can trust. And so they have the reliability of the Hyatt brand, uh, which gives them that confidence that they'll have a stay occasion that they can that they can count on. Um, we, I think it's interesting for our brands, we aren't confused that it's about the stay experience in and of itself. We understand and get the fact that our guests are really trying to have a productive trip otherwise outside of the hotel. So the hotel is really designed to enable that productivity uh, for their experience, however they choose to uh, to make that happen. So we talked about the housekeeping. Uh, another job, I mean, you mentioned the, the breakfast a moment ago, the, is, is the kitchen, clearly. Um, so do you see typically the customer experience be driven holistically by uh, jobs performed within Hyatt or within that company? Or could you imagine the hotel become more of a platform where people just order Uber Eats and uh, the, basically you provide a space for the, the eating experience, but you just delegate the uh, the actual food preparation to the open market? Yeah, I think uh, it's all about the and, right? So while some guests would prefer and do today choose to order through Grubhub or Uber Eats or whatever it might be, and they can do that, and there's community space in the lobby that enables them to enjoy a meal with others or to do so in the room, and they're doing that, um, they also have the option of enjoying a drink with a colleague or a friend they may be staying with and have a shareable meal. In fact, we redesigned our whole F&B experience this past year, a dis you know, really designed around that on-the-go experience that our guests have. So while it utilizes quick cook technology and different uh, ways that make it pretty efficient in the back end, um, it really gives the guests the option of either choosing to have uh, a bite and a drink at the hotel or order in, whichever they would prefer. So if you think about the last 10, 15 years, I mean, you mentioned select services have been around for since the 80s. What do you see as a new trend? I mean, what's going to be the next big trend in uh, the hotel industry for, for as far as you're concerned? Yeah, well, certainly there's a lot of uh, factors that are affecting the industry. So there's shared economy players, such as Airbnb and others. It sounds like you'll be speaking with a, a counterpart that works in that space. Uh, Traditional competition continues to evolve and to improve. Um, so there are different facets that are affecting the industry, uh, not the least of which is online travel agencies as well. And so while there are a lot of dynamics that are affecting disintermediation, uh, we think our relationships are ultimately uh, most important and maintained through the humanity that we offer. And so while technology will continue to be part of what we uh, utilize to extend hospitality to our guests in the way that they prefer and will continue to evolve to meet their needs, uh, Hyatt in particular is focused on humanity through our purpose, which is to care for our guests so they can be their best. Um, we feel that we have the scale globally to offer stays to our guests wherever they might be, but are still small enough to really cater to the service that we think guests still look for in our hotels. So humanity, I think, will continue to be primary in a world where we continue to look for technology gains and efficiencies, some of which we'll continue to utilize, um, and differentiation, I think, uh, within those hotel experiences, whether they be local or particular to our brands. Uh, our brands focus particularly, again, on keeping our guests productive. 
um, those will continue to be important measures as well. So it's interesting that you emphasize the, kind of the human aspects of the re uh, relationship and that not going away in the hospitality industry. Um, let's dive maybe a little bit more into the actual cost structure. If I'm thinking about uh, the room turnaround, which you mentioned is about kind of 15 minutes of work at make it $15 an hour on the high end. So there seems to be like in, when I book a hotel room for a night, I'm spending about order of magnitude $3, $3.50 on the room turnaround. Uh, how is the capital, how is the cost structure between the capital of, of, of owning the properties, managing the property versus the more variable cost items such as providing meals and cleaning rooms? How, how has that cost structure changed over the last years? How has the, the cost structure changed? I think that generally speaking, our owners find that uh, similar to our guests, that our hotels are a, a good value, that they're a wise investment. So our guests feel that our hotels are a good value because, again, we offer everything that they need, nothing that they don't. They feel that they're making a smart choice in staying at our hotels. Um, they get a great stay occasion, enabling them to achieve what they want at a good price. And similarly, our owners are looking to invest in select service because they feel that the overall investment is less than it would be for a larger scale hotel. And they feel that uh, that money can turn more quickly as construction is accomplished uh, more quickly, so their money is put to work more quickly. Um, and so for our owners, it's a wise investment as well in that they can place uh, more numerous smaller capital investment bets, so to speak, and get their money turning more quickly at a higher uh, level of efficiency. So it's turned to be uh, turned out to be a, a good investment for our owners as well. I think what they're also looking for are brands like Hyatt Place and Hyatt House that are trusted with a high-quality experience that, that our guests are looking for, um, particularly since the variability of, of stay occasions can be quite broad. So that's something that remains um, important to our owners as well. So that's interesting what you mentioned about these capital turns. So if, uh, can, can you make this a little bit more concrete with an example of opening a facility with, under the select services paradigm versus a traditional kind of full-fledged, full, full kind of amenities type of hotel? Uh, can you get, just give us an illustration of how those two would differ in terms of planning and construction timelines? Christian, is there going to be a quiz at the end of this interview? Uh, this is a university after all. The, I have good, the good news for you, you will, will not have to take the quiz because I'm asking you these nasty questions now, but the students it's, will it's, have to it's be... It's taking me back to my MBA program, Christian. I, I feel like I'm in... in Sorry for bringing class, back... Uh, that, that's me. That's my... The, your worst memories come back. Uh, so to repeat the question and making sure that you're not getting out here easily, um, so just walk me through a comparison between tr creating a traditional hotel design permit uh, than just the whole construction phase, the training, before you're making the first dollar in revenue. And explain me, the, where, where is the difference? Where's the advantage of having a select services hotel, which you mentioned the capital turns faster, where it comes faster to Sure, to it's, the it's pretty dollar. simple, right? So uh, with the full-service hotel that can run upwards of, let's say, 300 rooms plus, it's a larger-scale project larger scale project with a larger investment, so it could run upwards of $60 million plus. Um, longer planning cycle, longer construction cost, longer uh, timeline to get that hotel up and running. With the select service hotel, you're looking at a scale of, say, one-third of that, so it might be a $20 million capital investment on perhaps uh, a project timeline that would be probably half that of a full-service counterpart. And so it's a, a smaller bed, as I mentioned earlier, on the scale of, say, one to three versus a full-service hotel, uh, a construction timeline that would run roughly half that, a full-service counterpart, and running, again, at a higher efficiency level. So your operating margins would be higher on the select side given the lean staffing model. So all of those things combined to make it a smart investment for owners. And that's part of the reason that the category, again, has been the fastest-growing uh, one within the industry. We talked uh, briefly uh, about the idea of, of, of home away or Airbnb with uh, my second guest is going to represent. Um, so if I think about that trend that you just mentioned, isn't that basically the, the home away, the Airbnb, the extreme version of the trend, very small, very minimal, 
uh, and then basically the market is basically taking care of the betting. You don't have to plan where to next put the next property. You just basically look what the market bears. How do you how do you think about this competition? Or do you just view it as right. a different category? It's actually a very different stay occasion, uh, I believe. So um, we know that our travelers have different mindsets when they travel. So I'm married, uh, father of three, and so when I'm traveling with my family on a leisure trip, I have a particular mindset um, that's associated with that stay occasion. If, however, I'm traveling by myself on business during the week, uh, it's a different mindset. And if I'm yet Again, traveling with my wife alone uh, for a getaway, um, that would still be yet another mindset. And so at Hyatt, we really try to understand our guests, that humanity and understanding and empathizing with them is first and foremost. And we know that uh, what really our guests care about ultimately is trust. They want a high-quality stay. Uh, sometimes you might be adventurous. You want to go to a particular location. You want to really experience the locale. You may want to stay at somebody's house and, and get that person's uh, particular guidance locally. And so I think for those types of stay occasions, uh, an Airbnb makes great sense. And then for other stay occasions, let's say if I'm traveling on business midweek, I'm looking to have a real frictionless experience. I'm looking to be productive, get in and out. I want a brand that I can trust, an experience that's reliable. And so for us, um, again, the Hyatt brand really provides that reliability that our unique upscale guests are looking for. Hyatt Place and Hyatt House, within that overall uh, umbrella of reliability, offer a seamless stay occasion that enables them to be productive for uh, for their particular trips, whether they be business or leisure. Um, so while Airbnb, I think, and another shared economy players play a role in that, uh, I think that they um, they still offer a variability and perhaps uh, a quality disadvantage that our guests are aware of and um, continues to bring them back to brands like Hyatt. Says Stephen Dominguez, the Vice President of Global Brands for Hyatt Place and Hyatt House. Thank you, Stephen. We need to take a short break right now. When we come back, I will welcome our second guest, uh, Jeff Hurst. Jeff is the Chief Commercial Officer at HomeAway. You're listening to Work of Tomorrow. I'm Christian Tevish, and this is Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM. We'll be right back. It's my great pleasure to introduce my second guest of today, Jeff Hurst. Uh, Jeff is the Chief Commercial Officer at HomeAway. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you, Christian. It's a pleasure to be on. Hey, Jeff, if you could get this week off and stay in either the nicest hotel in the world or the nicest property on HomeAway, where would you go? This is not close. I would definitely stay on the nicest property on HomeAway. Do you have a particular one in mind? Um, well, I can tell you about my favorite one I've ever stayed in, which was uh, outside of Malibu um, in Los Angeles and was out there for a uh, corporate event. And it was just stunning views of the Pacific Ocean, incredible pool, outdoor living, and the walls opened up completely. So you kind of got this incredible sense of while you were in the shade with indoor luxury, you felt like you were outdoors. And it was just absolutely incredible. I'm and sad that I you would... picked Malibu over Philadelphia, but I, I, I think I get your point. Uh, <laughs> are there... Jeff, are there situations where you much rather be in a hotel, or are you just a convert? Well, there are situations when I still stay in hotels. Uh, most notably, if I'm uh, traveling for work by myself, I might be in a location for less than 24 hours. And a lot of times, the convenience and amenities of a hotel make sense for that business occasion. Uh, there are a few occasions where my wife and I will travel without the kids and choose to stay in a hotel. Again, because of service and amenity, uh, a lot of that can be replicated in vacation rentals. But there's you know, still something that can be um, on the romantic side about leaving all of the effort behind and the hotel occasion and the Expedia brands are a, are a great resource for that. Tell our listeners about HomeAway, how it started and what exactly it offers right now. Yeah, HomeAway is um, uh, a vacation rental marketplace, and so we basically help groups and families all over the world find the perfect vacation rental. And for us, that typically means whole homes, and so you've got the entire space to yourself. Uh, we were founded in 2005. Uh, it's a really interesting kind of business study in that we were one of the last uh, venture capital roll-ups in the Internet space, and so we bought dozens of brands around the world. Uh, many of those brands uh, well predated the existence of HomeAway. 
among them VRBO, which is about 20 years old, Abertel in France, which is on, which is over 30 years old. And we basically embarked on aggregating all of the supply through this roll-up and building a common technology platform so that we could build a network effect to introduce the most travelers in the world to the most vacation rentals in the world. And we've been at that since 2005 and since 2015 as part of the Expedia family, really starting to introduce this different category of travel to make it mainstream. And you see yourself relative to the hotel industry. You mentioned in your personal example that there's a certain convenience element, a certain kind of relaxation element, especially for short stays that comes with hotel. So your typical length of stay is more in the three days to a week type of uh, duration? Yeah, we'd, we would certainly be a longer longer stay than a hotel. Um, I'd, I'd say a typical use case for us would be a family going away on vacation together, whether that's spring break or winter break, or even a longer occasion like their summer holidays. Um, and they choose, in many cases, they'll choose the vacation around the home. And so they're looking for that perfect home that suits their needs, and they might be flexible about where they actually stay. Or I think sometimes the opposite is true for hotels. You're really choosing the part of the map you want to be in, and then pick the hotel that best suits your needs there. So you yourself don't own any properties. How about how about your workforce? How many employees I do, do you have? I do own a property. Mm -hmm. I have a uh, I have a vacation rental outside of Austin on a lake called Lake LBJ. Uh, oh, I was referring a, to you as home away, but uh, oh. I mean you seem to. <laughs> no. uh, it's convincing that you are putting your home your own property uh, yourself on home away. Uh, but but uh, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, so home away does not own any of our own inventory. That's correct. Um, plenty of our employees do, and we very much. Um, considered to be a underutilized asset class. And so there's some really interesting parts about the vacation rental economy that are um, uh, make it particularly appealing uh, for investors uh, because you do get that personal use benefit out of it. Um, and we think it's actually appealing in terms of the ability to generate a nice rate of return also. So from a capital perspective, you are thereby really lean in the sense that, I mean, a hotel can go anywhere between 20 uh, to $100 million to put up a new hotel. You pay, you're, you're broker, basically, right? Yeah, we, we are the we are the marketplace in the middle, and so we don't have um, you know our our uses of capital are overwhelmingly to drive more demand to our supply partners, uh, whether that's through traditional media or uh, search engine marketing and human resources and our own infrastructure, um, and we you know basically make those capital allocation decisions around how to make the marketplace most efficient. But it is not capital intensive in the construct of a tr traditional hotelier. Are the properties that you have on HomeAway, has, has that changed over the last 10 years? There seems to be a certain shift from the vacation rental and the kind of the initial ideas of the VRBOs and the older companies where, well, heck, I have this vacation rental in, in, in Austin, but I'm only there six weeks a year, so I can rent it out for 46 uh, weeks a year, towards a more, uh, let me put, let me get an investment property and I just rent it out 52 weeks uh, a year. Is, is, is that a trend or is it just my perception that they're just more, if you will, commercial properties on the on on these platforms these days no, I, I don't think there's been a significant shift in terms of the professionally managed, uh, which would have a, a property manager involved, versus what we've called the uh, the for rent by owner space, where it's somebody who's doing it themselves. I think what's what's changed the most is that the categories experienced tremendous growth um, over the ten plus years where we've been in existence, and a lot of that has been what was originally a category that was overwhelmingly about resort destinations, is increasingly kind of creeping into the mainstream stays that are more urban. And so we've seen, we still see an incredible business in the resort destinations. You know, think about your beach, your ski, your lake and river. Um, but we're increasingly seeing uh, a, a very nice business in the urban areas as well. And so there's been, there's been a proliferation in that sense. It's also become, um, because it's been able to be stitched together more globally, people don't think about it as much as I get my um, vacation rental when I go to Florida. They think about it when they go to Florence or when they go to South America or when they go to Australia also. Now, most of the work that is needed to support a travel experience of a guest, be it customer support, be it check-in, be it so handing over the key, all the way to the housekeeping and cleaning afterwards, the work doesn't go away when you have it on home away or Airbnb. Um, 
what is different? I mean, who who is doing the work now? How much of that kind of the how much of it is self-service that the person just says, "Well, look, I'm cleaning up myself." Uh, do you help as a platform? Do you help with these services such as uh, such as cleaning, for example? Uh, what is happening to the work compared to a hotel stay? Yeah, I think the you're you're correct. the 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 work is the workflows are similar, and so we would think about it as there's a, you know, in the traveler journey, there's a point in time when they're searching and they're overwhelmingly, you know, on on our site we hope or on sites like ours, and then we're handling that piece of work, and then through booking we're facilitating it, answering questions with our supply partners, and being sure they find the perfect house. As you get closer to the stay, the burden of work starts to shift to the individual owner or the property manager. Um, increasingly, we see technology um, basically solve a lot of those use cases. And so in a lot of homes like my own, uh, there's not a role for a check-in process that requires a person because there's digital locks and there's the ability to um, provide unique access codes. And so checking in is a self-serve process in many cases. Sometimes there'll be a front desk, but um, increasingly we see a lot of digitization of that. And then housekeeping services or maintenance is still part of it. I think one of the differences housekeeping in a lot of our category would not be a daily made service type of routine. Uh, it's more that the house is clean when you arrive and cleaned after you arrive, uh, unless you're paying for some sort of interim service. And that would typically be provided by the by the homeowner or the property manager. What we try and um, facilitate is provide as many tools as possible or introductions to uh, qualified uh, local vendors who can help with the different aspects of the journey, um, because everybody's got a different uh, uh, price value equation in terms of how much work they want to put into it, or do they want a service to really uh, basically take all of the effort out of it, and it's more of a financial investment. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned this digitization effect, and it seems to me that the front end, uh, the search, the booking for the owner, the whole pricing decisions, all of that, I think technology cannot do miraculous things where you can just buy a revenue management package out of the box. Uh, you mentioned, uh, I loved your example of the digital lock. It's really more once we get into the middle of the customer journey, right? This is a stay and then certainly the housekeeping at the checkout where we're back to the more old style doing business, right? I mean, it's just hard to scale to automatically clean the house. Even Roomba, the iRobot will not do it for you. And so uh, is, is, is that work where you just feel like that there we're basically in, in a world that has not changed much in the last 10 years? I, th I think it's certainly changed, and so I think the the, the on-demand economy um, has uh, created more services, whether it's scheduling or payments or even just getting more people into that workforce, to where there are more options than there probably would have been 10 or 15 years ago, when in general you probably would have had to rely on a, um, a property manager. I think there's more individuals willing to manage it themselves because technology has made scheduling, payment, verification of all of the different vendors, cleaning included. Uh, a, a lot more readily accessible. Um, and so I think it's getting easier, but I, I don't expect you'll ever be able to automate away the physical environment of what's ultimately a physical trip. And for us, you know, the, the beauty of the category is that we're bringing families and groups together in person to spend time together. And so, you know, there'll always be a last mile effort uh, to be sure the property's perfect. In case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Work of Tomorrow here on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Christian Terish, and I have the pleasure of chatting with Jeff Hurst. Uh, Jeff is the chief commercial officer at HomeAway, and we're talking about how the platforms such as HomeAway are changing travel experiences, but also the work and uh, the workforce. I found it really interesting. So you are the platform of the real estate, and there are the other kind of the Uber rise type of workplaces, spot markets, gig economy type of work, where you're saying you are basically relying on the basically the property owners. Basically, for them, it's more convenient now to clean a house because there's there's a market for that. Um, how about insurance? I mean, in some sense, uh, there, there there must be uh, there must be there's a certain risk exposure there that, that the property owners have. Is that something that you work with the property owners? Yeah, there is, and it's a um, it's certainly a very uh, active topic and something we've invested a lot in. Um, it was a little over a year ago we launched a million dollar liability protection for all of our supply partners. So any any booking that's processed through the HomeAway checkout platform includes a million dollars of liability insurance um, to help solve what is a bit of a gap in the global insurance industry. We also work with a variety of carriers to inform how you 
you can have basically commercial ready homeowners products um, because there are all new, there are nuances about having an investment property that are different than your standard homeowners and we uh, work to educate our supply partners on what those products look like and then separately we have a more traditional business which I would say feels like the um, more hotel and air where we do also offer products like trip insurance um, in case you know something happens and your trip is interrupted or you can't take the vacation then you've got the ability to basically protect yourself against that and so we're we're working across that supplier all the way through our traveler experience to be sure everyone understands um, what the risk profile is and has access to the products they need you know to best manage that on their own now homeway we talked about the competition that you have with with hotels and again the use case where people might prefer a hotel versus a home away property uh, there's also then the competition against Airbnb as a platform to platform competition just like Uber is competing against Lyft uh, what do you think you as a platform have to do really well to win over another platform yeah uh, you know I, I think that it's um, it's overwhelmingly about providing people with the best trip experience they could possibly have and for us the the, the, the the targets are pretty different you know you think about um, competitor you mentioned and how they grew up basically from a shared spaces environment you know sleeping on somebody's couch sleeping in the same bedroom uh, much more of a shorter stay lower price point type of experience our roots are much more in family group long stay premium lodging um, and we think there are very different use cases and you know kind of the etymology and where you've come from and we obsess on solving those you know, you know, and I'd say for many families, certainly for my own, these are the most important weeks of the year. This is when you get together and when you go and unplug and spend quality time together and you need it to be perfect. And so we want to have the best inventory that's the best merchandised on our site and also that we can provide the, uh, the peace of mind that you're going to have a great trip and get exactly what you need uh, with your loved ones. And so it, we probably approach it from different angles, although, um, you know, in some cases the, the inventory certainly shares uh, some so, I mean, that was my next question. If you think a lot, you see a lot of cars with Uber and Lyft stickers on the back. Uh, do you track or do you have a sense of how many of your properties or your quote-unquote properties are uh, also co-listed on on Airbnb or other platforms? Uh, it's 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 not something we obsess over, um, but we do pride ourselves on having a lot of exclusive inventory, and so we do try and uh, try and calibrate on it. I think our perspective has always been that, you know, we want to be the best value for our partners in the category, and if they're getting a great value out of our service and we're filling their year, you know, one of the things that's a bit unique about our category versus a, a hotel dynamic is that in many cases there's only one home. You know, the the inventory unit is binary. And if we can fill it for the 20, 30, 40, or 52 weeks of the year that they're trying to get distribution for, then it actually makes their life easier to not manage most multiple points of distribution. And we can be an incredible return on investment for partners like that. And so we just try and do our part as well as possible and, um, and, and, and let it go from there. Now, the basic idea of subletting your vacation home has been around, I guess, for really forever, right? In the days where you would just put it in the newspaper and, and get phone calls. And it was really through, basically through the Internet, the, the technology that enabled this idea of making it as efficient and as seamless for both the renter and the, uh, the property owner. Um, how is the technology moving forward? I mean, so the, I mean, the, the use case of uh, the, the two-sided market, the platform now has been around for a good 10, 15 years. Um, how do the next generations of technology impact your business? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, in many ways what you described for the category, um, you know, the home away, home away is a microcosm of that. And so when we started in 2005, we were a, a subscription listing business, meaning we were not involved in the transaction. We were really only introducing travelers to our partners who own or manage homes. And all of the, you know, consummation of the booking and work happened outside of our system. Um, as the um, as the progression you described has taken place over the past decade, we've gotten much more involved in providing a secure checkout, providing better availability, better rates, distribution across multiple points of business. And as we look forward, we see that, you know, in particular in our context as uh, one of the brands within the Expedia Group portfolio, the, the role of technology is to help help um, 
make these this incredible and unique inventory available to more travelers who haven't experienced it. There's still not great awareness and not great uh, ability to see this experience um, side by side with hotels or when you look at cars or when you're shopping for your flights. And so we're working to be sure that our tech platforms communicate well with um, other options within the Expedia group and outside the Expedia group so that we can get our, um, our partners on the supply side as much distribution as possible. Beyond on that, um, you know, this is still a, a pretty personal travel occasion, and so we invest a lot in being sure we've got the right um, communication capabilities and verification capabilities to um, put our travelers in touch with supply partners to be sure they can answer some of the questions that may be a bit bespoke or unique to each of their use cases. And that's an ongoing investment. We've seen tremendous gains on the mobile side. We've seen tremendous gains in how we use uh, real-time messaging. And we're also experimenting with how do we bring more aspects of the home into the shopping experience, things like um, virtual tours and virtual floor plans to really bring it to life in a way that can be um, occasionally stale in a, in a two-dimensional photo. So mixed reality and VR was my next question, right? I mean, th those are buzzwords that people have used in the real estate sector a lot recently. Uh, what do you see coming there? Or what do you have in your, in your pipeline for innovation on this space? Yeah, we're actually doing some interesting tests on this. I had a, um, a uh, tour of um, my home completed in the past couple weeks so we could test out some of the equipment, and we've got um, thousands of them live on our site. And the, w w the way I think about it is it removes some of the um, – you know, for someone, there's so many new people to the category on the traveler side, it removes some of the anxiety. You can really get a great feel for how the property is going to fit your needs and how you're going to use it. And you can picture where your kids are going to be playing or where you're going to be, you know, enjoying your, um, you know, your, your quiet evening on the back patio when you can tour the house in its entirety and really understand the layout. And so we expect it to be an opportunity to get more people involved in the category. I don't think it dramatically changes your, um, your stay experience because the house is still the same house you would have had in the first place, but it probably gives you more confidence and enthusiasm during that shopping and pre-stay experience. And that's what we're trying to create given where we are in the shopping funnel. There's been a certain pushbacks in some tourist areas about having too many of the houses, real estate market on Airbnb, HomeAway, partly because of uh, there being a lack of community, partly because it might be driving up property prices. Where, where do you come out on that discussion? Well, for us, we're um, in favor of fair and reasonable regulation um, globally. Uh, it's a topic that certainly has been accelerating in, in recent years, but you know, the, the core of our business are use cases where these homes have existed for decades and in many cases are the foundation of the economy. You know, when you think about resort destinations and when you think about ski destinations, in many places there's more vacation homes than there are or vacation homes and condos than there are hotels, and that's by design because it's attracting a type of traveler experience, families and groups that are that are better served in this use case. And so uh, we work hard to be sure that we're advocating for our supply partner's rights and that the um, category is in a position to where it can succeed um, because we think it serves such a compelling traveler use case. I guess your argument would be that if if you look at a, a ski resort, a village in the Alps, it's probably better to have a vacation rental be utilized 52 weeks a year compared to somebody owning it and only spending two weeks of the year in that place and 50 weeks there's no revenue for the community coming out of that property. Absolutely. You're bringing in, um, you're taking vacant inventory and bringing it to life. And in these resort destinations, um, you know, that benefits, that benefits the ski resort, it benefits the local restaurants, and it gets you to a place to where um, you've got, we think, a healthier economy. And we've been able to demonstrate that the impact on the overall economy is still, um, is not still, is, is very positive. The it's important to remember a lot of this new discussion is also about um, urban markets. And in general, in urban markets, the vacation rental or secondary home market is a tiny fraction of the overall housing. Uh, and so it is typically not a driver of how you would think about uh, some of the arguments you laid out, like increasing housing pricing. So if you think about the uh, other platforms, again, with, with Uber reaching kind of amazing or maybe last week no longer that amazing, but really remarkable valuations, a lot of the 
a lot of the nice thing of Uber for the consumer is the velocity, right? You press, you you want to go somewhere, you press a button and a car comes. What type of velocity do you see for your properties? Uh, the vacation rental traditionally is a reasonably slow market in the sense that we Germans, we like to book our summer vacation a year in advance uh, yep. versus this is, this is the most spontaneous people, like I'm maybe not one of them, but we go like, oh, I want to go out for vacation this weekend. And they, they just click on the, on the button. How, is, that a, is that a velocity that you coming from the vacation rental market that uh, has, is new to you or is, is challenging for you? Um, I think it's more complementary, and so you know the, the velocity metric we disclose is in the uh, most recent um, most recent calendar year 2017. We did a, about 8.7 billion dollars of uh, transaction volume, and that was 46 percent faster than the prior year. And so we're we're seeing a ton of growth in terms of our um, our platform and the activity. Uh, we are also seeing that as the category grows and reaches new types of destinations, there are different occasions that people are willing to use the category for. And so you may have started with an occasion like you were describing, you know, maybe it's a year in advance, German uh, German traveler who's going to, you know, uh, going to Mallorca or going to the Mediterranean coast. But as they've gotten more familiar with that use case, they're willing to experiment with it and use it on shorter notice when the snow's good in the Alps. And we're, you know, really trying to figure out and invest in uh, getting those travelers who have experienced and enjoyed the category to experiment with it for other use cases. And those use cases will often have shorter lead times or different destination dynamics than, uh, than where our business would have historically been, you know, 10 or 20 years ago. So how many, uh, how many bookings do you get like within, say, 48 hours in advance? Is, is that 10% of your business, or is, is that a number that you just don't want to disclose publicly? That's, that's not a number we disclose, although I think the, the dynamic is one in which we're seeing that um, book-to-stay windows start to shorten as more and more uh, new and it's not because the behavior of the core consumer who's been with us for years has changed. It's because as new people come into the category and new travelers experience it, they're used to booking on a shorter window. And so they naturally are looking for occasions at a shorter um, shorter duration than uh, our, um, our more engaged or traditional consumer. Jeff, final question. Uh, predictions are always hard, but five years from now, where do you want HomeAway to be? You know, I'd like HomeAway to be known as the um, premier destination in every country around the world for group and family travel. And so when you think about going away, you know, with a group of loved ones or your family, you start that occasion on HomeAway because you know it's the best lodging type for you and that we've got something for everyone everywhere in the world. And we've made a ton of progress on that since 2005 and even more since the Expedia Group acquisition in 2015. And uh, fortunately for us, we've still got plenty of opportunities to make that come true in the next five years. Says Jeffers, Chief Commercial Officer at HomeAway. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, you've been listening to Work of Tomorrow on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School here on Sirius XM. This is the end of the show. Uh, if you want to have access to some of the older episodes, check out our website on workoftomorrow.com. Let me thank our sound expert, Daniel Bruno, and my producer, Matt uh, Dads, for their wonderful support today. We hope you can join us again this coming Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern. I'm Christian Terish. And on behalf of all of us here at the Wharton School, thank you for listening. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.